This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So again, I am I'm just doing my portion on understanding and embracing the gift of pastor. And my subtitle, if you will, is going to be, Don't Cast Away the Power of God in Your Life. Understanding and embracing the gift of pastor. Don't cast away the power of God in your life. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to start at verse 8. I'll give you a second to get there. And again, I'm going to start off with, we're going to explain what is the gift of pastor. What is pastor? And you've been hearing a lot of things this whole month, right? So a lot of things you're going to hear, you're going to be like, oh, I heard that before, but just, just listen. Some of these things bear repeating. So just listen. So Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 8 and read through verse 12. And it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So as we see here from this scripture, pastor is one of those gifts that was given to us. And so we need to figure out what is the gift of pastor. And so I started off with looking at the word gift, right? And I started thinking of what a gift is to men. What is a gift for men, right? It's given with the one, usually one recipient in mind, right? And its value is determined by that recipient and what they like. In some cases, the recipient may receive it and they may put it away and never use it. But they won't throw it away and they'll say, oh, I'm going to get to it at some point. I'm going to use it at some point, but never do. Some cases, they may get it and they'll be like, I'm just going to give it away from the jump because it's not something I like. In some cases, as far as the giver goes, they may not even give it much thought. In some cases, you may think of it as a general gift, right? Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting a gift for somebody, I'm going to get a gift card or something, just give it and just give it away. In other cases, we may spend much time and much effort because you're thinking, I've got to give a gift for this special person, somebody real special to you. And this is, all this is, like I said, this is what I found out the way men look at gifts. So now let's compare these things to the gifts from God. The gifts of God are given with one person in mind. You. And then he gives that gift to everybody. I love that. God thinks of every individual as that special person that I was talking about. So his gifts are given for you. They're always beneficial because his gifts, they're eternal. So, so, you know, like that natural gift that you can just throw away. You can cast away a gift from God, but it's eternal. It's, it's out there for you, for you, for you, for you. So you can cast it away and not get the benefits of it, but the benefits are there for whoever receives the gifts from God. Now, the gifts of God, they come from covenant. And what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. And God promised with himself that you're going to be restored into proper fellowship with him. And he made that promise with himself because he said, this is what I need. 
he knew that we weren't going to be the ones to be able to keep that covenant. So he made that promise with himself. And then he gave gifts to undergird those promises. He wanted you to receive his gifts so much that he gave his only son to leave captivity captive. And then his son rose with all power. I love how Minister Rick talking about the hand of God. There was all power in that hand. All power. Part of that power, the, the power, that power contains the gifts of God. So what I'm, what I'm trying to get you to, what I'm trying to get you to understand is from his power or, or from what he did through Jesus, you can see that he wants the believer to have his power. He wants the believer to have his power. He wants the believer to be enriched by his power. He wants the believer to be led by his power. His gifts... The ones that we mentioned here in these scriptures, they are living demonstrations of his continual power. And though we may choose to ignore them, God's gifts are crucial and essential if we're to be who he's called us to be, if we're to walk in his purpose. His gifts are essential. But what I, what I want you to know is just like you can cast away the gifts that you don't deem important naturally, you can cast away the gifts that God has ordained for you to have as well. And understand this. We said that the gifts come from the power of God. So if you cast away the gifts that God has given you, you're casting away the power of God in your life. Pastor is one of these gifts. And the gifts of God, the gifts and callings of God, they're without repentance. God doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, that's scriptural too. That's in Romans. Chapter 11. Read the whole, read the whole chapter. You'll, you'll, run, you'll run across it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God makes no mistakes. He doesn't give us a gift and say, oops, let me take that back. God is not an Indian giver. That's not the way he does it. His gifts, as we've learned, they spring forth from his heart. From his love. Why would he want to take that away from you? Why would God renege on his love to you? No mistakes. In Jeremiah 3, verse 15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Why would he take that back from you? So let's see. We're going to take a look at how he accomplished this. How did he give us pastors according to, according to his heart that feed you with knowledge and understanding? Let's go to, we're in Ephesians 4. Let's go a few pages to the left to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 23. And remember what my subtitle is, right? Don't cast away the power of God in your life. So verse 15, and I'm going through verse 23. <clears throat> Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, to usward, who believe according to the work, working of his mighty power. I, I, I want to stop there because I want you to understand that the exceeding greatness of his power, it includes your pastor. The working of his mighty power towards us, 
that includes your pastor. That's a working of his mighty power. Let me keep going. I'm going to read 19 again. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to, to usward? Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We said wrought in Christ. What did Christ do? He came and he created the church. And, every, and all the order that falls underneath it. When he rose, he rose with all power in his hands and gave gifts from that hand. That includes your pastor. That's the mighty working of his power. Let me finish this here. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Uh, when I read that, that reminded me, the good shepherd has under shepherds. See, Christ came and made the church our good shepherd, our the pastor, and he gave us gifts by the mighty working of his power. He gave us under shepherds, pastors. And you have to recognize that. So what is the, the working of his mighty power? What has his power done? And so I had to look through all the scriptures, right? And it's real easy to see. Because this Bible is about the power of God. So it's real easy. His, his mighty work, you can start from Genesis. His mighty work and power flung the universe into existence. His mighty work and power in the day of Noah, it, it flooded the earth and got rid of a people that wouldn't, wouldn't heed his word. That's the mighty work. Of, his mighty work and power crushed the nation of Egypt trying to hold his people captive. His mighty work and power brought forth Jesus Christ through the womb of a virgin. His mighty work and power makes the impossible possible. That's the working of his mighty power. His mighty work and power founded the church and gave gifts to men. His mighty work and power gave you pastor. Gave you the office of pastor. And understand this. He gave you the office of pastor and he gave you the person that's sitting in that office. You can't just say I appreciate the office of pastor and don't appreciate that person in the office. You're casting away the power of God in your life. His mighty work and power. So we cannot take the gift of pastor lightly. This gift cannot be cast aside. It can't be put on a shelf and say, I'll get to it later or eventually. It sure can't be re-gifted if you're not appreciating it. We have to understand this gift and embrace it. The office and the person in the office is given for our edification. To build us up. Remember, the, the gifts and calls of God are without repentance. So to not embrace his office and the person in that office is to not embrace him. It's to not embrace his power. I have the power of God in me too. Yes, you have the spirit of God in you and it leads you to embrace your pastor. That's the mighty working of his power. Embrace her vision that she has for this church. Embrace the changes that she makes for this church. So my objective for today is to get an understanding of the office of pastor and the individual occupying that office so that we will embrace them both wholeheartedly as a ministry. So, let's go ahead and get into understanding. What is pastor? And this has been said all this month. 
overseer, pastor is a servant, a laborer, caretaker, a steward of the flock, a shepherd under the shepherd, given and graced by God. So when I started looking at this, and Minister Haston talked on this about, uh, uh, back at the, the first Sunday of this month on the shepherd, and pastor, if, if you look at the, the translation of it, it is shepherd. It really is. So I had to take a, a good long look at the word shepherd and study out what a shepherd is. So, of course, I looked at it naturally first. What is the duty and role of a shepherd? So a shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock, the sheep. The shepherd will graze the animals. Y'all know what that is? That's feed them. Lead it's funny with that word graze, right? You think they're feeding them. They are feeding them, but what they do is they just show you the green pastures and you have to eat. You have to eat. You have to take from the... We're following them as they follow Christ. And if you're trusting in that, if His mighty working power is working in you, then you're, then you're going to say, oh, that's God's word. And you're going to eat. Feeds them with the word. I think of how we've been taught with the word this past year. Just in this year alone. Well, and I'm saying that because this is when she stepped into the role of pastor, but she's been feeding us since I, before I was born. Well, my whole life. I feel like that. I think of the word that's been, been brought forth this past year. And one of the most groundbreaking words that have been made real to me throughout my whole life is, time is our most precious commodity. Time. It belongs to God, and he dispenses it as he sees fit. That came from our pastor. Time. What a gift. That word was specifically for me. And specifically for you. Didn't I say that God gives pastors for you? Yeah, that, that was a specific word for me. It was a specific word for you. It was a specific word for everybody in this ministry. And that's how God works. See, see I know Minister Rick was talking about how people were thinking, well, let's vote in the next pastor. Or, I think this minister will be better. This minister will be better. Let me tell you something. God gives pastors a specific word for you. Everybody in this ministry. While you're sitting there thinking, I like this specific, I like this specific minister, you're really thinking about a specific word for you and not everybody else. That's why God doesn't, he doesn't run his decisions by you. Thank God. It's about the mighty working of his power. I'm so glad he doesn't run his decisions by you and what you think it should be. And what you think the order of the church should be. It's not the working of your mighty, I can't say mighty power. It's not the working of your efforts. Because there's no mighty power in us save the spirit of God. I think about the fast. We're talking about the word that's been going forth this year. I think about the fast. This fast was God's doing through our pastor. God will confirm any issues for you. Did you not grow and come to a new place in your walk after this fast? That's confirmation. Because the fast was, it was given to us from God through our pastor. And I love how she told us about the fast back, what was it, March or April? 
And then she went ahead and implemented using time as your most valuable commodity and said, we need to wait. We're not going to rush into it. We're going to take this time and prepare for the fast so that we can be successful. And then it was so intricate. I was thinking to myself when she first, and I talked to God about it, just like Minister Rick said, if you have a question, you know who you need to go to? God. I talked to God about it, and I was thinking to myself, she, when, we, when she set up the fast, she's like, we're going to do a 24-hour visual. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, she's calling the man to be up here 24 hours. Why is she doing this? Right? And so I came up here a few times late night with the men. And there was nobody but me and another man here. And lives were changed in those moments. We used those moments to talk to each other, to build each other up. And I said, oh, see, that, that's why I'm not in the office of pastor. Because she knew... <laughs> God spoke to her and said, oh, it doesn't matter if anybody else is in here. If it's, if it's just the two, keep in watch. There's going to be some walls being built. I had, let me tell you something. I had some life-changing times with just me and one brother sitting up there. And they know who they are. I talked to a few of them. They talked to me. They ministered to me. This, is, this, this was what God has brought to our pastor. I, I'm telling you, I, I have been a part of fasting, uh, fast before in my life. I really have. But nothing like that fast. Nothing like that fast. See, and I'm not... You know, we had, we've, we've been under fast with our founding pastor. And I'm not discounting any of that things that he did. What I'm going to tell you is... One, one plants and one waters. You think of that scripture with Paul and Apollos... And people were like, well, we want to go back to Paul. What did Paul tell them? One plants, one waters. God gives the increase. She built on that foundation. That's her watering so that it can build. And God said, yes. Now watch this increase. I'm telling you, I, since that fast, I have, I, I'm not the same man. I am not. But God spoke to our pastor and said, this is what's, this is what's needed. Uh, she, I'm going to tell you all this. She told us as a congregation about this fast coming, what was it, March, like I said. She told me about it before the new year. God was speaking to her. And it took almost a full year for that fast to go. We're not in a rush. She's waiting on God. That's the heart of the pastor. Because anybody can say, let's get it started, let's do this. But the pastor has to care for the flock. Maybe, it may be that she was ready for the fast, but the flock has to be together. The shepherd is not trying to lose one sheep. How do I know that? Because that's the good shepherd. He came for everybody. And we follow our shepherd as she follows the good shepherd. This is the word that's been brought, brought through our pastor from God. That, that's the knowledge and understanding she's been feeding us. Hmm. Number two, the shepherd herds the sheep to safe areas. 
of good and healthy nourishment and drink. The shepherd goes before the sheep. Ooh, that was just in that song. He, he goes before me. They survey the land for good nourishment. Safe terrain. So as they proceed together, we'll prosper together under God's hand. This alludes to the time spent at God's feet for your behalf. That's her surveying the land. Providing safe areas and safe passages to the ways that we need to get to. Training and strict adherence to biblical training so we can be built up together. She has the God-given foresight to put together the strategies and plans of God. Like I said, if I would have got it, if God would have told us we need to, and told me we need to go on a fast, I'd be like, well, let's do it. Let's get to it. Uh, God, God gives the pastor foresight. He gives the pastor strategies so that things can be effective. Understand that about the pastor. It's, listen, don't take it lightly. Pastor, unless you've been graced to do it, it'll be the most difficult thing you ever put your hands to. And it won't... It, it, it would be fruitless for you to do it without the mighty working of His power. Spending time with God so... So she knows who needs to go where. Who needs to position where. What needs to be changed in the ministry. That's what, that's why I like that title she gives herself. Guys, general. That's what a general does. It reminds me of Deborah in the Bible. She was a, she was a master general. A, a strategic general. She knew who to, who to place where, who to put where, so, they, so that they could be victorious. That's a master general. A wise master builder. I, I like to call it preparing the way for the flock. As the shepherd leads the flock, like I said, from pasture to pasture, what I like to call that when I say pasture to pasture, I call that, that's, let me, let me slow down. From pasture to pasture, right? And I'm going back to the natural, natural look at this. When, when, the, when the pastor and the, or the shepherd and the sheep, when they're, when they're going together and the, the shepherd's showing them good places to eat and good things to drink of, they're learning every time. So when they move to the next pasture, it gets better. It gets better. And that is from faith to faith. That's what your pastor... If you follow him from faith, follow her as you follow Christ from faith to faith. Why? So that God's glory can be revealed in your life. She's leading us from word to from message to message. And I want you to understand this. When I say from message to message, I'm talking about the messages from all the ministers, the messages to the teachers. That all comes from the pastor. I want you to understand that. There's nobody in here doing their own thing because that's not, that's not the working of God's mighty power. That's not his order for the church. She prepares the way for the flock. She's the one who's been charged with looking out for our souls. For your soul. Specifically your soul. For my soul. Specifically my soul. 
And she does it well. She's no slouch at it. <laughs> see, that's the thing about a shepherd, right? You, and, and you see a lot of shepherds, sometimes they, they have like a, a fenced-in area, a gate that they got to lead the sheep into. Well, our shepherd, our under-shepherd, leads us to Christ. That is the gate. See, you know, let's go to, where is that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and let me find the verse. Yes. Enter ye in, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets. I like how it ended, how it went straight to that at 15. There's, there's few that find the gate. Beware of false prophets. If they're not leading you to Christ, you'll never find the gate. There's many things that can fit through this wide filter, but the gate? Follow your pastor. She leads you to that gate. Follow her. She's leading you to Christ. I love how, I forget who it was that up, to, up here and said earlier, but you can, you, you can hate her, you can love her, you can cheer her, you can jeer her, but she's following Christ. So all that hate or whatever you have for her, all that congratulations you have for her, that's fine and dandy. But appreciate this about her. She's leading you to Christ. That's what a pastor does. The working of his mighty power is evident in Pastor Alva Hill. God makes no mistakes. And if for those who need to... Well, where's the proof? Look at the fruit! Listen, don't look at the fruit in her life. Look at the fruit in your life. And if you don't have any fruit in your life, that's because you're not following her as she follows Christ. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit before she came past her. You can't discount that. Let me tell you something. God don't just use anybody to be pastor. There has to be fruit. God is not stupid or silly like that. He's not going to be like, well, you look like you could be good. Let's give you a try and see if it works out. No. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He knows what he's doing. It's us that don't know what we're doing. Look at the fruit. So what else does a shepherd do? And naturally, a shepherd keeps an eye out for predators. I like how Minister Hayson was talking about the wolves. You know what else he does too? He keeps an eye out for poisonous plants. So that the flock doesn't eat the wrong food. That are poisoning them. So when I begin to dig into that a little bit more, there's some things that came up. The tools of a shepherd. Let's go to Psalm 23. And this goes with the song I was singing earlier. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. So grateful for pastor. For our pastor. It's not an easy work. But hallelujah, we're not alone. (laughs) Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's why I had to stop. Because I said the pastor, they, they look out for predators and poisonous, uh, poisonous uh, um, plants. And when I was looking at them naturally, they said, this is where their tools come into play. And they, I kid you not, the tools that came up and they led me right to the scripture was the rod and the staff of a shepherd. It was amazing to me. So let's look at the rod first. So the rod, and we're talking naturally now, the rod is a club that the shepherd has carved from the root of a tree, and it's fitted to his hand. The shepherd keeps the rod with him at all times and uses it as a weapon. When wild animals or snakes or anything like that, when they threaten the sheep, the shepherd takes aim at them. Use the rod to, to kill or, or to drive off the intruder. So, what does this rod represent to our pastor? So, the rod represents the shepherd's discipline to authority. It, it represents her discipline to authority. And then it also represents discipline and correction to the sheep. But it represents her discipline to authority. No matter what our shepherd wants to do personally, she's first and foremost submitted to the Lordship of Christ. The shepherd. Anyone or anything that comes against that needs discipline. They're predators. And that's just the thing about discipline. Discipline will run off a predator. Because that means I'm not changing from this standard that God has given me. Jesus Christ. Discipline will run off a predator. When a predator realizes that the disciples of Christ will not be compromised no matter what they try, they're going to run off. They'll try long enough until the pastor steps in with that rod and that rod of discipline shows up, they're going to run off quick. Now, let me tell you this. I want you to understand this. A wolf can be changed to a sheep, too. Because <laughs> that rod, that rod of correction can change some things. But, of course, it takes a receptive heart, right? But a wolf can't be changed to a sheep. That's just a side note. That's, actually, that's a whole other message. But I want you to understand what's in the, in the work of a rod. For example, there was a person, and I don't even know if she remembers it. She might. She probably does. It was this year. There was a person that left the church this year. And a couple of people came to me and asked, you know, should I go talk to him? Should I, should I reach out to him? Should I do this? And all the while, after this person that left this year, they were speaking to other people. Voicing what they felt should be right in their eyes. And, this. and, all, and really what they were doing was trying to take people with them. But they were trying to take. They were talking to other people. And this was this year. And then one of the members of this church came and asked me specifically, "Should I reach out to this person?" And I told them I have to go talk to my pastor. And when I did, you know what she said? She said, "Let that person go. Don't say nothing to him." And now, from teaching and understanding through our pastor, I could see what was happening. That person was down off the wall and wanted others to get off the wall with them. It was going to keep going as long as there was anybody else entertaining them. Well, should I go? 
you're worrying about somebody who's made up in their mind that they're gone, should I go after them? We're, we're concentrating on building the hearts of the ones that are receptive. Because this person, they've been in this ministry for a while too. So it wasn't like they hadn't heard and, 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 uh, and hadn't heard or, or received the same word that everybody else was. And if you left after that, what can I do to come tell you that'll bring you back? Why are you busy telling what you think? Okay, pastor, since that's what you think, you th- you busy telling other people what should be going on at this church or or what's not? Well, things aren't the same anymore. Of course, they're not the same. She is not Pastor Forrest P. Hill Jr. She's Pastor Alva Hill. Of course, things are the same. I mean, are different. You think they were the same from from Moses to Joshua? They're different. Of course. What do you expect? That's why she's in the position that she's in. The rod says, I know you. And I know that you love that person. You know, the one that left. I know you love that person. I know you were close to him. But that predator can't adhere to the disciplines that you need to. And they've chosen not to. And for me to let you continue to go after them and do that is me letting, allowing you to be pulled away. Allowing you to be led away. Listen, and let me tell you how silly and stupid that sounds. I'm sorry, that's just me. But you have a shepherd, and you're going to be easily led away by a sheep. Another sheep! You have a shepherd who's been feeding you with knowledge and understanding, and then the sheep come and give you something silly, and you're going to follow the sheep? You deserve what you get. Because the sheep doesn't know how to do anything but what the shepherd tells them. So if the sheep is not going to... We follow our shepherd as the shepherd follows the shepherd. The Bible doesn't say anything about following the sheep as they follow, I don't know what, the lust of their flesh, their desires, what they think is right. That's leading you straight to destruction, corruption. See, the thing is, what what we have to grab a hold of is these disciplines, the rod, the rod of correction, it comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of protection. It comes from a place of desire for your comfort. So though the rod is a, it's, it's a weapon, you have to receive it as comfort. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Ultimately though, you have to submit to the discipline to receive comfort from it. You have to submit to the discipline to receive comfort from it. Oh, y'all didn't. You have to submit to the discipline to receive comfort from it. Otherwise, all you're going to see is this, are you going to are you going to say that this person's beating on me? No, no, no. What is the results of this discipline compared to the results of whatever your discipline is? And I'd love to, and that's, see, that's why I'm not in the office of Pastor. I'd love to find this person that left now and see the results that are going on in their life now. You have to submit to the discipline to receive comfort from it. Now let's move on to the staff, because time is moving quick. Now, and I'm going back to naturally. The staff is a useful and essential tool for the shepherd. 
Many staffs had hooks at the end of it for catching sheep that were wandering off. You see, sheep don't have staffs. They don't have staffs. So it's not your job to try to catch a, a stray sheep. It's not your job. Unless directed by your shepherd, it's not your job. And I think of that hook. You know, I think of the hook. When, 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 I, when I started studying this, the first thing that came to mind was the, was it Showtime at the Apollo? <laughs> when, they, when they grabbed that hook, like, get on back over here. Because you're doing something that ain't right. <laughs> That's what a shepherd is for. That's what the staff is for. Sometimes the, the hook there is used to lift the lamb and put him back beside their mother. Some of them be running, not paying attention, might, fall, might be about to fall off the cliff. The shepherd will reach over there with that staff, with that hook, and hook him back. They also use the staff, and this goes into the poisonous plants I was talking about. They, they went through plants that they saw. And that, that hook, it went, sometimes it was a sharp hook. What it would do, it would cut away some of those plants that were in the way of the other ones. It would cut it away and say, no, that's good for you. Eat that. It'll move it. They would use it and move the, move the poison stuff out the way so that they could eat what's good. So your pastor directs you as you gather. As you gather from the Lord, he, she's telling you, that is from the Lord. That is not. That, let me move this back so you can eat what's good for you. And remember, like I told you, though, we're grazing, right? So she leads us to what's good. She shows us what's good. But you have to choose. Sheep, we have to choose. The bottom line is sometimes the sheep go astray, and the staff is to guide you back to the correct way. It guides you back to Christ day by day. As a sheep, I'm going to tell you this you're going to see the staff in your life, you're going to see the rod in your life. Get prepared for that. You're going to see it. What was interesting about the, the staff as well is they would, it, it said the shepherd would pull the sheep close to him and then it would go through the sheep's wool and see for any scars with the staff. Any injuries, any scars. See, with that staff, she examines the flock. She sees our hurts. She sees our needs. She sees our, in, our insecurities. She goes to God with them. She goes to God with them for you. Specifically you. The riding staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. That's what it's for. See, the, the, the shepherd does this because she's chosen God. And this is what... God, She's the steward of the flock. This is not her flock. Which means whatever happens to this flock, she has to answer for it. Not you. She does. The pastor. The one in that office. Which is her. She has to answer for it. So you need to understand that the, the rod and the staff, they're coming. Because she has to answer for it. There's a rod and a staff for her from the good shepherd. 
she has to answer for it. She's a steward of the flock. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Because the shepherd warns and cautions the flock according to God's word. It's his flock. That's what preaching and teaching is for. Let's go to Colossians. Like I said, she has a responsibility not only to the flock, but to the great shepherd. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 25 through 29. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known, that is, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. See, it's not her flock. It's the great shepherd's flock. And she has to teach so that we can come into a knowledge of an understanding of Christ. It's one thing to say I've accepted Christ and I've learned about Jesus, but there's so much more that you need to learn. And that's only done under the direction of a shepherd. Only done under the direction... Let me see how I'm going to put this. A sheep without a shepherd is lost. That's simple enough. A sheep without a shepherd will eat the poisonous plant. A sheep without the shepherd will make friends with wolves. A sheep without the shepherd will get off the wall. A sheep without the shepherd will not value time. You have to have a shepherd. You have to be submitted under that shepherd. As that person is submitted to Christ, we follow. You, you see I'm repeating a lot of the same things. These are the things you have to get in your mind if you're going to understand, Pastor. If you're going to embrace it. And we, haven't, we haven't, actually haven't even gotten to the embracing point yet. We're still on understanding. But these are things that you have to understand. I recall at the beginning of this year, our pastor warned us that there was going to be some that were going to faint. Some that were going to leave. And sure enough, as today is Sunday, there's been some that have left. Some that have fainted. And all I can do is smile to myself. <laughs> because our overseer warned us. Uh, she heard from God. All I can do is smile to myself. Cause, because she heard from God, we were prepared for it. Wasn't nobody surprised? When, well, I feel like this. If you were listening and receiving, you weren't surprised when it happened. You don't let it phase you. You don't let it move you. You don't let it pull you down off the wall. We're prepared for it. She made sure that it was purpose in our eyes, not people. The office of pastor is hard work. But she's me for that work. And looking at the tools of a shepherd, the rod and the staff, 
this should speak to you. The shepherd is not some great king in the eyes of men. The shepherd is a servant. That's it. Everything that she's done this year so far, even before this year, but this year so far, has been to serve you. To minister to to our hearts. But it doesn't surprise me because pastors spring forth from the heart of God. Pastors are the the working of His mighty power. It doesn't surprise me. But she's a servant. And the reason she's an effective, impactful leader, pastor, is because she's a servant. Which means she's able to follow. Look over her life, if you need to. I say she was the best follower of our, our founding pastor out of anybody. And to be an effective leader, you have to be the perfect follower. Don't get me wrong, I said perfect, mature. That's what I mean. You have to be a mature follower. Every leader, every pastor, they're a follower of somebody. Because in order to be a pastor, you have to learn to follow first because a follower is a servant. And a pastor is the greatest of all servants. This brings back Joshua as well. He was a minister unto Moses. He was the greatest follower of Moses. He was one willing to commit to Moses' ministry, what God has called him to. Pastor Alva Hill was one willing to commit to founding Pastor Forest Hill's ministry and the vision that God had called him to. I dare say better than anybody in this room. You know, we say, I give up my dreams to do this for God and that for God. No, no, no. She made doing the things for God her dream. She didn't have to give up nothing except her life. But that's the life of a pastor because they are servants. Understand this. Take this understanding, please. Because it will help melt away all those insecurities and apprehension and things that you have about her gender as pastor. And it, We're going to touch on that a little bit later in embracing as well. But it will help melt away all those things. And that's, that's just the thing about it. When God sees that you're willing to, to give your all as you follow, then he's like, well, I'm willing to exalt you and make you pastor because it's not your agenda. I'm going to grace you to get this agenda done, my agenda. She was willing to follow her pastor as he followed Christ. Fully committed to the ministry of our founding pastor. She furthered his vision. 
one that God chooses for his flock must be found a faithful steward before. And that's what she's been found. That's why she's been exhausted. Now, I said exhausted. Don't take this word exhausted like that. It's a different exhausted for God. Exhausted for God means now I really am going to use you up to every last drop. So for those who are seeking to be exhausted by God, are you really willing to be used to your last drop? Oh, it's easy to say. It's easy to sing in songs that it's been written out in. It's different to see. Got to be found faithful before God gives you stewardship of the flock. You have to be found accountable. So accountability, that's the ability to accept responsibility of stewardship. I'll say that again. Accountability is the ability to accept responsibility of stewardship. And accountability is a process. You can't just come in and say, oh, they're accountable. No, you have to be proved faithful. We just said it. You think of Joshua. In Joshua 1, verse 1, he's called the minister of Moses. You know what that means? That means he was found faithful. He wasn't no overnight minister. He was found faithful. And then God called him. Only because she's been found faithful has she been promoted to the office of pastor. And like I said, she's truly accepted the fact that her life is forfeit. I am not my own. She's been bought with the price. Just like everybody else in here, but let me tell you something. She's the example of that. And we were talking about example with the youth group this past week. An example is a pattern worthy of imitation. You looking at somebody to imitate? Follow your pastor as they follow Christ. A pattern worthy of imitation. And one that God has graced to be in the position of pastor is ready to empty their life out. They're built for ministry. Let's turn to, chap- to Luke chapter 22. Cause I'm, I'm going to touch on this exalted, right? I said being exalted by God, promoted. You know, it's, it, it's not man's definition of promotion. <laughs> Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read verse 24. Is it 24? Let me see. Give me one second. Yes, 24 through 27. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. 
And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater he that is sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Now this was from the shepherd. Is it read in your Bibles? Okay. This is from the servant. He said the greatest is one that serves. See, our, our pastor doesn't want, she doesn't do what she wants to do to be great in the eyes of people. That's not why she do what she does. She's doing what she's doing because she's been graced by God to do so. It's because she has a desire to see his purpose fulfilled in the earth. That's why she's been exalted to that position. Because it's all about his purpose. It's not about what, what, what anybody else wants to do. Let me tell you about greatness, right? Greatness only belongs to the Lord Jesus. That's it. Pastors, the ones in those positions, dare not touch that. that. They dare not try to touch that aspect of his authority. Greatness is to the Lord only. It's his authority that delegated to her to get things done, to get his agenda done. So that we can see his greatness, not the greatness of Pastor Alva Hill. So we can see the working of his mighty power. Understand that. That's what's working in our pastor. It's the working of his mighty power. Even in that delegated position of leadership, she has somebody to follow. Christ. Therefore, she's still a servant because a follower is a servant as well. I believe this is why she said to call her interim pastor. It, it is a true statement. But like Minister Rodriguez was saying, where did your heart take it? It spoke to our situation, and I believe it also spoke to our pastor's humility in the situation as well. I believe it also spoke to her heart because in her mind, I'm just a servant. She's not going around like, I'm the pastor. That's what I am. How you doing? I'm Pastor Alvin Hill. No. No. She's a servant. And while I'm on here, let me help a few of y'all out. She is our pastor. So for those of you who call me pastor, this is for your benefit. And I don't want you to take it the wrong way. I understand you're trying to encourage me. I do. I know it comes from a place of encouragement. But our current pastor needs your encouragement. I am not your pastor. Let me clear that up. That's coming from my mouth. And don't take it the wrong way, because I love you all dearly. Pastor Alva Hill is our pastor. She needs your encouragement. I'm part of the flock, just like you. For you to look to me right now is to look to another sheep. And we talked about that earlier. 
I'm looking to her as she follows Christ. And some of you are like, well, but I do look to some of the elders in the church. That's fine, but know this, they look to her as she follows Christ. Plain and simple. I'm not your pastor. That comes from a place of love because I don't want you to cast away the power of God in your life. I don't want you to put it on hold until something that you like comes into position. Everything that we do in this ministry, like I said earlier, it's under her direction. Everything you see, oh, oh, Minister Hasten is doing this. Oh, Minister, let me tell you something. It's under her direction. Oh, Mr. Hill's part of YWC. Why did he get it? It's under her direction. Oh, Sister, Sister Sarah Everhart and Sister Whitfield over the music department now, and, and it's getting so... It's under her direction. Oh, the leaders in the children's church have switched up a little bit. And, and look at that. Everything's getting... Everything's starting to build up, and it's looking so much... It's under her direction. And if you ask her, you know what she's going to say? It's under the shepherd's direction. No decision is made without her. Let me tell you something. No teaching is taught without her looking at the notes. You know why? Because we, ministers, we don't have to answer for the flock. We haven't been made the stewards of the flock. She has to answer. Everything we do is under the pastor's direction. That's order. That's the working of his mighty power. Because she gets it directly from the shepherd. Don't look to a man. That's part of the reason why some of us are having problems accepting her now. Right? It's because even before she stepped into the office, you weren't even ever looking to Christ. You were looking to a man. And now that that man is gone, you can't see past her gender and look to Christ. Which means, from before she was in the office, you were looking to a man. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me keep going. Lastly, the pastor is to train others for the vision of the ministry. Must train others to be equipped to minister God's work. And we know that it is our job to seek and save that which is lost. The restoration of this generation. And, and this mandate is to go forward even after the pastor is replaced. Uh, that's why she has a. God didn't miss a lick. Since Pastor found him, Pastor Hill went on to be with the Lord. He had missed. The, he had missed a lick. He had missed a second. And it, it, she did ask for that month off of mourning. I'm gonna tell you something. In that month of mourning, she still saw his face about this ministry. See, that's the heart of a pastor. When she should have been all about herself. That's why God. That's why God has graced her for it. She used that time where she should have been mourning. 
to endeavor on your behalf, on our behalf. One of the best jobs of the pastor to train ministers, uh, to train the next pastor. Uh, let me say something. A lot of you say, well, don't you remember that day when your father said you were going to be the next pastor? Yes. So one plants it, then one waters it, and then God will give the increase. But he makes things beautiful in his, in, in his season. I'm listen. Along with all the other ministers in here, we're under training still. And let me help you too. She's under training from, the, from these shepherds. Uh, we all are. Through her, she goes to him directly on our behalf. Let me tell you this too. When ministers, for example, we had Sister Sarah Eberhardt teach, um, what was it earlier this year? New members. And I brought that to our pastor, right? But what you need to understand is that was birthed from her direction. Even if I have an idea, I have to equate it back to what's been taught to me. And then I run it to her and she said, oh, you, you're getting it. That's why I taught you these things, so that you can go out and train as well. All under the direction of pastor. She's the one who did the August service where we had uh, young adults come and teach. That's part of training. I, listen... As long as I've been in this ministry, I've never seen so many young people going through training. Then in this last year. It's, it's restoring the generation. Oh, and, and It's so funny because the ones that are, are biting on it the most, it's this generation. I haven't seen it like I have this year. I mean, people... There's some people that have been a part of it this year that I would have never thought had a word of God for me. And God said, oh, just, keep, just keep listening, keep coming. But that's all under the direction of our pastor. She's hearing from God. I'm going to tell you, there's some moves that if I was in that position now, I would not have made. And we would not be where we are today. And God said, yeah, sit while she's watering. There's some things that you need to learn. There's some things this congregation needs to learn. I'm just, I'm going to tell you this right now. This year alone has been one of the most powerful years of my life. It really has. One of the most powerful. When I say she waters, there's some things that my father had told me years and years ago. There's some things that he's taught across this pulpit over the years. And now that I'm getting the water that I need, it's making so much more sense. It's making so much more sense. And all I can say is thank you, God. 
for this office of pastor and for the shepherd that you have placed in that office that is heeding your voice on my behalf specifically for me make it personal for you she's heeding for you so I hope that you understand pastor a little bit better because we're going to get into what does it mean to embrace the gift of pastor tonight let's stand to our feet This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.